The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. Greetings, scribes. Just a quick break to recommend our recent sponsor's Book of the Month. Book of the Month makes reading better by offering members a few new book selections each month to help you cut through the noise, save time, and make it easier to decide what to read next. Each month, the editorial team reads through hundreds of new titles and picks five to seven of the best new books for you to choose from. All of these books are good, so you really can't go wrong. Book of the Month helps readers like you and I find books that we wouldn't normally discover on our own. The cool part is selections largely focus on new and upcoming authors in multiple genres. Book of the Month also recently launched curated audiobooks, so members can get a hardcover or an audiobook each month, which you can then download and listen to right in the app. This month, I chose A Little Supernatural Fair in Murder Road by New York Times bestselling author Simone St. James, described as the story of a young couple that find themselves haunted by a string of gruesome murders committed along an old deserted road in this terrifying new novel. Just go to bookofthemonth.com to pick your first book and join Book of the Month. That's bookofthemonth.com. And for a limited time, you can join and get that first book for just $9.99 with the code CHIRP. That's C-H-I-R-P. Enjoy. Being a writer doesn't have to mean that you have a cool haircut and you live in Brooklyn and you, you know, go to fancy <laughs> literary parties. It can mean that you're just someone who enjoys making up stories and like, you don't even have to publish them. You can just have fun making up your own stories. But I think that, you know, for people who are trying to be writers, it's really good to remember to take pleasure from this when you can. A lot of what I talk about in the book is just letting yourself get lost in this fictional world that you're setting up and and just sort of giving yourself permission to have fun with it. And I think that the playfulness is a big part of what I really push in the book. The idea that like playfulness is good, you know, having fun with this is good. And, you know, that playfulness in some ways can help you to be better at surviving the really hard times that are happening. Greetings, scribes, and welcome back to The Writer Files. I'm your humble host, Kelton Reed. Where's you wisdom, words, and wherewithal per usual? Decorated sci-fi and YA author and pundit Charlie Jane Andrews chatted with me about the genesis of storytelling, how to weather 20 years of rejection, right through hard times, and her latest how-to for writers never say you can't survive. Charlie Jane's novel, Victory is Greater Than Death, the first in a YA trilogy, came out this April, and she's the author of the 2019 Locus Award winner, The City in the Middle of the Night, and one of the year's best books by The Guardian and others, an option for TV by Sony. Her 2016 novel, All the Birds in the Sky, was number five on Time Magazine's list of the year's 10 best novels, won the Nebula, Locus, and Crawford Awards. Her latest is Never Say You Can't Survive, a book about how to use creative writing to get through hard times. It's described as a practical guide to storytelling and a manual for creativity in unprecedented times. Charlie Jane's fiction and journalism have appeared in the New York Times, the Washington Post, Slate, McSweeney's, Mother Jones, the Boston Review, Tor.com, Tin House, Wired, and many others. Her TED Talk, Go Ahead, Dream About the Future, has been viewed over 2 million times, and she also co-hosts the Hugo Award-winning podcast, Our Opinions Are Correct, with Annalie Newitz. In this file, Charlie Jane and I discussed the importance of why we all contain multitudes, imposter syndrome and rubbing elbows with famous authors, her creative chameleon characteristics, 
and why writers need to juxtapose the small and personal against the huge and epic. Stay calm and write on. And if you're a fan of The Writer Files, please click subscribe to automatically see new interviews as soon as they're published and leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts to help other writers find us. All right, we are rolling on The Writer Files and I am honored today to be joined by none other than award-winning author, Charlie Jane Anders. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Really appreciate it. I know you're a busy writer, author. You know, you're probably uh, doing a lot of promotion and, and or at least getting ready for this uh, next baby to be born. Yeah, it's so awesome to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I love your podcast. And it's just so great to any chance to sort of geek out about writing, I get really excited about. So I'm really <laughs> stoked to be here. Oh, well, thank you so much. It's uh, definitely a pleasure to have you on. I was enjoying your podcast as well. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you've, you know, you've been doing the podcast thing, it seems, for quite some time um, yourself. So you're no stranger to the microphone. But let's um, turn back the clock. And I know you enjoy a good uh, superhero origin story. <laughs> right. Which will dovetail nicely into your most recent nonfiction. But turn back the clock a little bit because you've been rub- rubbing authors with, I mean, rubbing elbows with, excuse me, um, <laughs> some, <laughs> rubbing authors. Hmm. That could be a podcast. That would be a very different conversation. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, maybe it would be rubbing authors out like a gangster, like let's rub him out. <laughs> yeah. That author, he's okay. using too many metaphors. Let's rub him out. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I like it. So, uh, you've been rubbing elbows with, you know, some, some incredibly, um, famous authors and, you know, doing this thing for years, but talk a little bit about, yeah, take us back a little bit to the origins of back to when you were just writing short stories and, and doing the IO9 stuff and, and yeah, take us, turn back the clock a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I've been kind of trying to make a career out of writing fiction for, you know, I would say like 20 years. It's been like 20 years of just really kind of plugging away, trying to get things published and racking up just like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of rejections along the way, um, including, you know, I, I, in addition to writing, you know, I just a ton of short stories, like more than I can possibly, I think I've probably written at least a couple hundred at this point, um, yeah. writing in, in addition to writing a, a, just a ton of short stories and, uh, getting and really kind of just like trying to hone that ability. I did write a bunch of novels before, uh, I finally kind of struck gold with all the birds of the sky in, uh, 2016. There yeah. were five completed novels before all the birds of the sky, like completed, polished, revised, you know, shown to beta readers, you know, revised again and again. And finally, you know, one of those five previous novels was published by a a small press, uh, but the other four kind of just went into the place where novels go when, you know, they're just, they're not going to get to live. Mm -hmm. So yeah, but it it just took, it took a really long time for me to become an overnight success, I guess, you know? (laughs) Yeah. But as you talk about um, kind of the importance of perseverance and mm-hmm. you know by now it's it's as if you know, you've won every um <laughs> you know every award in the fantasy and sci-fi and speculative fiction genres and, and you know you're still you're still kind of doing different stuff and trying out different uh genres uh, you know i guess you're probably in the throes of this 
this uh, YA trilogy right now. And now I we're am. talking. Yeah, we're talking. Now we're going to talk about uh, a nonfiction book. But yeah, t- talk a little bit about you know, as you put it, you know, how we're kind of all these multitudes, but especially I think writers who are really committed to kind of make, you know, making a living doing this thing. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think that the thing about having a career as, as a creative person, or even, even if it's not like what you're planning on doing to support yourself and pay your rent or your mortgage or whatever, it's still, if it's something that you're like, you want to do as you like a life goal as you're like, I'm going to really try to get published and try to like, you know, get a significant readership for my stuff. Even if you're self-publishing, that's still the case. You know, you have to kind of be flexible. You have to be a little bit of a chameleon. You have to be willing to kind of, you know, just keep trying different things and see what works. And like, you know, I wrote a bunch of different novels that were kind of very different from each other. They were different styles. They were different kind of, uh, genres or approaches to genre and mm-hmm. you know it kind of was a s- process of trial and error as well as a process of kind of honing my craft until i got to you know all the birds of the sky which was a book that just felt like me it felt like the right book for me it felt like a book that was kind of speaking to and for me yeah. in a way that you know some of my previous attempts at writing a, a novel maybe hadn't quite as much it's just, you never know what's going to be successful. And you just, this is part of why I really got in the the habit of just sending out just a ton of short stories and trying different things and just sending them out because you just never know what's going to hit. You know, you could randomly send out something that you just are like, this was an interesting experiment. And people are like, oh my gosh, this is, we love this. And, you know, please do more of this. And I don't know, you're, you, you kind of have to be a little bit like a troubadour or whatever, where you're just going around doing your ballads for people. And, you know, if people really liked a particular ballad, then you're like, okay, I'm going to do more like that one, I guess. I don't know. It's, you got to be flexible while also honing your own unique voice and your own kind of style and your own approach, you know? Yeah. It would, it would seem that that kind of creative, uh, chameleon ism is really part and parcel with finding your voice, as you said. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, in the book that you mentioned, which comes out pretty soon, uh, Never Say You Can't Survive, I do kind of talk about, you know, how you have to like both, you know, find your own unique voice and find the the story that only you could have written, like write the story that's yours, that's only yeah. yours. But you also have to not, you know, you have to not be too precious about your ideas or about your, and you have to be, experiment, play around. Like once especially if you're in a place where you haven't yet gotten known for a particular thing, you haven't yet kind of gotten a thing that you're like, well, my stories usually have this, this, and this in them, you know, take advantage of the freedom of being, you know, a newer writer and just try everything, try different genres, try different styles, try different stuff. And, you know, I talk in the book and never say you can't survive. I talk about like how, you know, when you're starting a new story, when you're starting a new project, think of it as going on a first date and like be like, yeah. well, you know, maybe this is going to lead to something. Maybe this won't. I'm just going to try it and see what happens. And like, don't feel bad if you start writing something. And then after a couple of pages, you're like, you know what? This isn't the thing. I'm going to try something else. You know, it's Absolutely. good to keep it loose, especially while you have that flexibility. I think, yeah, just digging in a little bit more. Doesn't it seem like this is maybe the most uh, important time for Never Say You Can't Survive to come out because, you know, a lot of writers are struggling. I hear this a lot. And we, you know, we, we talk to many, many authors about how they're surviving this mm-hmm. um, 
interesting time in history in these kind of, you know, it's oh, not man. just, the, it's not just the pandemic. Um, you know, I, I know you are um, uh, at least familiar with Sarah Pinsker and her work. And, and mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I listened to the episode of yours that she was on. That was amazing. And we kind of uh, talk, talked a little bit about um, her, her novel that kind of, pr- you know, was predictive in a way. Um, but yeah, the, the, the kind of the before times and the after times, but I keep asking people this, are there really after times? It doesn't really seem like <laughs> they're coming. Yeah. Anytime soon. I mean, unfortunately, uh, in terms of both the pandemic and in terms of like the political polarization and unstable yeah. instability that we've been experiencing, you know, for the last five years, I think yeah. that neither one of those things is over and no. they're not going to be over for a while. And, um, you know, unfortunately, not to get too heavy, I think I, I'm actually more scared and worried now than at any point in the last five years, uh, just because of the way things seem to be going. Yeah. Um, so I think this is a really good time for, obviously, I'd love it if people bought my book, but for the kind of approach to writing that I'm I'm, re- I'm recommending. And, you know, I think that my book, I would love it if it, people who don't consider themselves writers also gave my book a shot because I think sure. part of what my book is is doing is saying, look, being a writer doesn't have to mean that you have a cool haircut and you live in Brooklyn and you, you know, go to fancy <laughs> literary parties. It can mean that you're just someone who enjoys making up stories and like you don't even have to publish them. You can just have fun making up your own stories. But I think that, you know, for people who are trying to be writers, it's really good to remember to take pleasure from this when you can to, you know, part of a, a lot of what I talk about in the book is just letting yourself get lost in this fictional world that you're setting up and, and just sort of giving yourself permission to have fun with it. And I think that the playfulness is a big part of what I really push in the book. The idea that like playfulness is good, you know, having fun with this is good. and you know, that playfulness in some ways can help you to be better at surviving the really hard times that are happening because it enables you to kind of have a little bit more flexibility in how you think about stuff. It allows you to kind of be able to escape when you need to into mm-hmm. like a more kind of fun, playful headspace. And it just it just allows you to kind of see beyond the the immediate kind of tunnel vision of the terrible moment we're, that we're living through right now, which I think are all really valuable things to have. So, you know, I do actually think, you know, there was a part of me that was worried with Never Say You Can't Survive. I was, I was posting those essays online in 2020. And part of me was like, well, maybe when the book comes out in 2021, things will have gotten better to the point where people won't feel like this book is relevant anymore. And I no longer yeah. worry about that. I'm no longer worried that that we're going to miracle. I mean, worried is not the right word because I would have been overjoyed, but I no yeah. longer think that it's a, a, wor- a concern that we might have gotten past the need for uh, a book <laughs> right. about how to survive hard times. Yeah, right. It's this, uh, as we've talked about often, um, this kind of these concentric circles of crises. Um, and yeah. the pandemic is only like one hub of that wheel. But, you know, I mean, I guess there have been hard, tougher times in history. Yeah, I mean, there are certainly times when we were less connected, I think. But as you put it, you know, storytelling being that kind of connective tissue Mm -hmm. that we really need. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of this uh, universal glue that's always somehow gotten us through, right? And we've done it together, not alone. Yeah, and I think that that is really good. And I think part of what storytelling can do is show us how we're all connected and kind of help us to see how we are all tied to each other. And I think yeah. that, you know, thing that they, something that 
increases your capacity for empathy, something that increases your capacity to kind of see other people as, you know, having their own inner, inner lives and, you know, not just being, you know, NPCs in your story or whatever is a really valuable thing. I also think that, you know, part of living through, like, I loved what you said about concentric circles of crises, because I think that's really accurate. And it kind of goes to something that I talk about in, in Never Say You Can't Survive, which is mm-hmm. that, you know, when you're living through something really extreme and scary and messed up, when there's like, for example, a, a plague, but also wildfires and like, toxic smoke you know blowing through the air and yeah. you know floods and and floods and and also like political nightmares. <laughs> you know you, it's it's easy to just get trapped in the immediate kind of panic of the moment right. and it can be really helpful to like pull back and see like a larger picture and see like okay these are the decisions that we made you know in some cases decades ago that are leading to what we're having now these are the things, these are the larger forces at play here. These are the kind of bigger issues that are kind of being, uh, that are at stake in this scenario. And it's not just, um, oh, you know, things somehow suddenly went really wrong and terrible for out of nowhere. It's there, there, there's a larger picture to be seen and it can be both comforting and, you know, helpful in terms of taking action to see the larger mm-hmm. picture. That's a thing that, fiction and storytelling generally is really good at doing like, you know, you you have this Vogue right now for novels where, you know, it jumps around in time, sometimes hundreds of years. Like I feel like there's a bunch (laughs) of novels in that, in that kind of cloud Atlas framework where it's like, okay, 500 years ago, this happened right now. This is happening 500 years from now. This is happening. And it's like, okay, juxtaposing all these different time frames actually is really helpful in terms of getting some perspective on the now. Reading fiction has been proven to to help develop empathy, right? Yeah, yeah. As, as you kind of touch in the on in the book, writing f- fiction um, is probably just as important for kind of developing our own sense of self. But then, yeah how how else can we talk really? about in such a polarized time in history how else can we talk to our fellow <laughs> you know human beings without yeah. kind of like making it some sort of a you know like a metaphor for what's happening because people are they're so are just so like they're just like fireworks about to be set off if you if you say the wrong thing or if you you know approach something head on <laughs> yeah i mean i think People are really traumatized right now, and it's hard when you're traumatized to kind of, you go into survival mode, you go into kind of, you know, you, you kind of hunker down and you kind of try to just, you know, protect yourself any way you can emotionally and physically. And at the same time, it's like, everything is just kind of, yeah, everything is total chaos and we're all really on edge. And, you know, we're also kind of, starting to grapple with these giant system, well, making a token attempt at least to grapple with these systemic injustices that have been going yeah. on forever. And that's really raw. It's really hard work. It's work that is going to make people on edge. It's going to actually add to the, it's going to make people more aware of, of things that they've maybe shrugged off in the past. And it's just, you know, it's going to make everybody, it's going to make it our, our communication in general, more fraught because we're having these conversations that are really hard 
and that are really touchy. And I think part of what fiction does and, and can do is, you know, like I said before, give us some perspective, but also just like <sighs> enable us to kind of deal with that trauma and that, that, um, that upset and all of that, you know, all of that deeply entrenched uh, injustice mm-hmm. in ways that are somewhat removed from the immediate present and the immediate moment. And that's also really helpful. I think, you know, I think that people, we need to be able to kind of connect to that. And I also think, you know, I say this a lot, but there's a reason why politicians are obsessed with quote unquote, controlling the narrative. Like they understand that our world is made out of stories and that yep. we treat anecdotal evidence way more seriously than we do, you know, statistical evidence, even though statistical statistical evidence, it's more rational, I guess, to like, you know, like you could be like, well, I have this really compelling emotional story about a guy who, you know, ate a hot dog and choked to death. Um, so therefore nobody should ever eat hot dogs again. And you can be like, well, statistically speaking, you're more likely to be hit by lightning than to choke to death on a hot dog. But people are, if the story about the guy who choked to death on a hot dog is compelling enough, nobody's going to care about the statistical likelihood of actually choking to death on a hot dog. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm just going to read kind of a part of the description of the book here. And of course I will link to all the things, your home base, um, the book and, uh, your socials there and never say you can't survive. You know, things are scary right now. We're all being swept along by a tidal wave of history and it's easy to feel helpless, but we're not helpless. We have minds and imaginations and the ability to visualize other worlds and valiant struggles. And writing can be an act of resistance. I love that. There are other futures and other ways of living. Yeah, I think it's a really important message right now and I appreciate the work. I'm enjoying it very much. I think, you know, as, as there are a lot of like books about creativity that are, you know, aren't necessarily for writers per se that are very important, I think, to the creative process that writers um, can dig into. I think this is one that, as you said, you know, lots of people can take something away from. And I think, I think that even when you start to touch on the, the stuff about kind of writing as a, a refuge and writing as, you know, I mean, there are disciplines of like writing as therapy, right? Yeah, I think that's, that's right. And I think, I mean, I, I feel like writing can be a form of therapy for sure. And like talking about writing or talking about creativity is also very therapeutic. It's like a way of kind of connecting to our more reflective, more imaginative, more empathetic selves. And it's a way of kind of, you know, maybe getting outside ourselves a little bit as well. And I think that there's a lot in common with therapy there. It's also when you're writing, you're kind of conjuring different parts of yourself that you maybe don't have as much you know, direct contact with mm-hmm. most of the time, like you might, when you're writing a, a villain or writing a really scary, terrible th- scenario, you're connecting to a really dark part of yourself. And, you know, there's a part of all of us that is kind of destructive or, or you know, ready to just burn everything down. Mm-hmm. And it's it can be actually very cathartic to just like get into that headspace and be like, okay, I'm writing this fictional, you know, destruction and, mayhem and it's actually kind of allowing me to channel this part of me that i probably shouldn't put out in the world in in reality because burn people tend to frown on you like burning their cities <laughs> down i don't know why it's just one of those things <laughs> yeah it's one of those things 
Yes. Well, uh, congrats on the work, of course. I know that we have a limited amount of time today because you are very busy. I, I was just rereading the uh, the New York Times book review from Victor's Greater Than Death, and I thought, Oh, yeah, thanks. Yeah, this la- I thought this last paragraph or last couple sentences, I just want to read out loud and, and get maybe get your feelings about it. But but um, this reviewer said, uh, if this seems odd in context, in the context of a galactic war, the whole book is an argument about why it shouldn't be. Compassion and empathy are ostensibly what uh, the main character and her friends are fighting for pitting the jewel tones of their complexity against a pale and violent sameness. I thought that was a pretty uh, nice, nicely worded sentence and, and a, ni- a very nice review. Yeah, it was, I was so happy with that review. I mean, that was, you know, that was Amal El-Mohtar, who is one of my writing heroes. And it, yeah. that review was just so incredibly generous. Yeah. And it just, I loved what she had to say about the book. It just made me, you know, really happy to see that. And, uh, you know, I, obviously that's what you hope for when you write a book. Um, I think that, you know, I, I always, something I always try to do in my writing, which I think I'm, I'm not definitely not alone in. I think a lot of people try to do this, especially in speculative fiction is kind of juxtapose like the small and personal against the huge and epic. And like, that's Mm -hmm. to some extent, that's every superhero story ever. Like every superhero story is about like Peter Parker dealing with like Aunt May's, you know, having to afford her prescriptions and dealing with like (laughs) his job at the daily bugle while also, you know, struggling against like these giant lizard people are trying to destroy the city. And it's like these two different stakes are kind of set against each other. And like one is the, the larger stakes are obviously more urgent for more people, but you know, the aunt may and the daily bugle matter to Peter Parker. And I feel like that kind of juxtaposition is where I really love to spend a lot of time uh, because I feel like the small and personal makes the big and, you know, epic more meaningful. And mm-hmm. I like to play around with that. I like to actually have characters who are like, look, my personal kind of emotional stuff is actually important. And it's not, there's no point in fighting to save the galaxy if I'm not going to actually, it's like that whole, if, if I can't dance, I don't want to be a part of your revolution kind of, <laughs> you know, we need personal we need human connection we need each other we need emotional fulfillment or else you know what are we fighting for and how are we going to keep ourselves from turning into you know basically destructive monsters like the people we're fighting against you know yeah yeah absolutely um okay we'll just uh quickly returning back to never say you can't survive you do talk some extensively about imposter syndrome. And I feel like we've been talking about that for years. I've, I've spoken yeah. with a neuro, neuroscientist about it. Um, and, you know, just talk a little bit about why kind of every writer, no matter their station in life, um, kind of faces this, this uh, their own monster, right? Yeah, I mean, gosh, imposter syndrome. I feel like there's one or two people I know who just claim that they haven't, that they don't have imposter syndrome. I think almost everybody experiences imposter syndrome, though. I think it's just normal. It's part of being a writer, like I say in the book. And it, you know, it's one of those things where it changes over time. Like when you're starting out as a writer, you might feel like, okay, uh, I'm, I haven't published anything yet. Why am I even calling myself a writer? You know, gosh. I'm at this uh, fancy writer event with all these people who've been published in, you know, 
the New Yorker or whatever, and I mm. haven't even been published in like my local, you know, church newsletter or whatever, you know, there's that imposter syndrome. And then once you actually get some recognition, once you've been published in fancier places or you've gotten, you know, some notice from like the world that it's like, oh my gosh, I'm getting, you know, publication or acclaim or or whatever. And obviously these people don't realize that I'm I'm actually a fake and that I'm, you know, not real and that I'm like you know, that I don't deserve any of this and they're going to find out and it's going to be really bad and I'm going to be caught or whatever. And I think in some ways, you know, imposter syndrome kind of scales up as you, or changes, I guess, Mm -hmm. just changes its shape as you get more success. And it's just, you never escape from it. It just keeps going. Um, it's, it's kind of inescapable. And I think that, you know, part of it is that, uh, we are all really hard on ourselves also because, Writing is one of those things where it's really hard to tell if you're being successful or not, like most of the time. <laughs> like, it's right. really hard to tell if you're doing well. Even if you have some, like, objective measure of success that tells you you're doing well, it's just really hard. It's like, and it, you know, we're all really insecure all the time. We're creating these, like, pieces. We're putting our these pieces of ourselves out into the world and being like, hey, here's something I dreamed up when I was, <laughs> you know, in the shower or whatever would you like to spend, you know, $10 on this thing I came up with while I was in the shower? And it's like, you're, it's nerve wracking to try to turn your kind of weird dame dreams into a product that you want people to buy. It's just weird. And there's always other writers who seem to be doing better or are like, you know, seemingly more talented or more awesome than better marketers. (laughs) Yeah. Better marketers. Or, you know, it's just like, Oh my God, I'll be reading, you know, I'll be reading a book sometimes. Often, in fact, I'll be reading a book and I'll come across like a paragraph or a sentence. And I'll be like, oh, my God, if I could write like that, I would just like, you know, yeah. I would I would just never stop being proud of myself. <laughs> I would just be like, oh, my God. And like, I wish I could write like that. And, you know, the dark side of that or the kind of negative side of that is to be like, now I hate this other writer because I can't write like this or they're sure. such a great writer. You know, and I think the positive response to that, seeing that. And just being like, well, two things. One, let me just like spend five minutes looking at this paragraph and how it's constructed and see what I can take from it, take from it whatever I can. And then, you know, but also recognize that everybody is different. And like, this person writes like them. I write like me. We all write differently. If we all wrote the same way, nobody, it would be, the world would be a terrible, boring, awful place. Uh, So I'm going to learn whatever I can from this other person's writing. And then, recognize that I still have to write in my own style and that, you know, whatever lesson I learned is going to be a true, is going to be applied to in my own way. Cause that's yeah. my own person, you know? Yeah. 100. Well, we appreciate you, your work. Thank you for your great podcast. I will link to that. Thank you for your work, uh, with, uh, supporting indie bookstores and, you know, we could talk all day long. I'm sure you're going to have to come back and wrap I would love again to. in the future about, uh, the importance of storytelling and how it's going to save the human race because uh, we need your work. So we appreciate it. Yeah. Fingers crossed, you know, <laughs> I like it. All right. Well, Charles Jane, thank you again. Um, and I know you have to get to an event, but um, yeah, we'll uh, hopefully wrap in the future. I would love that. Have a great day. Take care. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of the writer files. And if you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe to the show and leave us a rating or a review. 
to help other writers out there find us. You can always leave a comment or a question and visit the entire archives at writerfiles.fm. And you can chat with me on Twitter at Kelton Reed. Cheers. Talk to you next week.